All right. Well, here we are, Pastor Miles and Pastor Mark for the Questions Podcast. And today we are doing this mobile, the mobile unit. We are in the echoey living room of my house. So echoey. So echoey. So if if you don't like the way this sounds, we apologize. It is what it is. S-O-C-K-S, is that what you say? S-O-C-K-S. S-O-C-K-S. It is what it is, man. You just spell socks and you say... And you sound like you're Espanol fluent, man. There you go. Uh, Which I am totally not. All I can say is, hola, como estas? You know, yeah, you know, I have a cup that actually says, you know, S-O-C-K-S. Uh-huh. But in English. Oh, okay. It is what it is? Yeah. It was given to me by Juliana Chavez. And you know what I'm excited about? Huh. We got a camping trip coming up here at Herky Creek at the church. Yes, I heard about that. And she's ordered up four dozen tamales because tamales are the ultimate camping food. I guess they probably would be. Oh, dude, you unwrap them and you just put them in a pan for breakfast. It's like Christmas for breakfast. Exactly. And man, oh yeah. man. And you even have something to unwrap, which was great. That's what I love about tamales. It's like a little Christmas present. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You ever take a tamale and you like, this is... Super secret stuff, you know, but our listeners deserve to hear the straight stuff. Take a tamale. Yes. And you put it in a pan and you like crisp it. Oh, I've never done this. Yes. In the pan for breakfast. And then you take a couple of eggs and dump a couple of eggs over it with some hot sauce. The ultimate breakfast, the breakfast of champions, really. Hmm. So, uh, speaking of, uh, food and listeners, we uh, we had a grand old time going to uh, have some Jack in the Box tacos with one of our listeners. This That's week. right. We were living we were living La Vida Loca because I mentioned on the podcast that we I had never had a, a Jack in the Box taco, and one of our faithful listeners, Mister Stivers, he yes. uh, he said we needed to Big remedy. Bill. We need to Big remedy Bill. that. Yeah. So next time, what we'll say is, you know what I've never had? I've never had one of those gargantuan steaks from Donovan's. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a tomahawk steak. That's called pastoral trolling. Yeah, we no, don't we do that. We, we won't don't do that. that. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's a good way to struggle with obesity. Kids. Oh, there you yeah. go, man. Yeah. So anyway. But I no, made the mistake cool. once of saying that I really like uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. And then someone brought me like one of those gigantic two pound Reese's peanut butter cups. That was me. You brought that to me? Yeah, that was your oh. birthday present one year, yeah. Yeah, how so. did I forget that? Well, we I shared it with the family, just so you know. Oh, that's good. You know, spreading the love. Yes, indeed. Spreading the love. Because that, you know, <laughs> pretty much will end up in your middle. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, my son, he's such a kind-hearted lad, Ethan. He gave me uh, a Reese's peanut butter cup. You know, the two cups, the normal. And um, I didn't eat them for like three months. And he finally said, you can eat those things? They were just sitting on my nightstand upstairs. I said, no. And he goes, can I eat them? I said, sure. So the other day, he was real happy. He, he took my Reese's peanut butter cups. So Do you good. just stare at those for willpower? Is that what you're doing? It's like a drill? No, I just, you know, I'm trying not to eat those sort of things. Oh, man. I can, yeah, I know. I'm trying not to. Anyways. So, uh, I just saw that family picture over there. You're looking pretty fat in that one and you're looking great now. I, I was, I did you really just say that? I did. I just like, oh. you look at over there and I go, I think he just had a big shirt on. I, I totally had a big shirt and on. And the wind was billowing, but I'm yes. thinking like, did Miles put that up for his inspiration picture no. or what was that? No, that's two years old. Yeah. Do you he remember who know. Richard Simmons was? Oh, of course. Okay. So Richard Simmons is sweating to the oldies or something. Yeah. Like that, right? It was crazy. He, yeah. He, he, he wasn't all there, but he was fun to watch. Yeah. And so he said, you know, every week people would send in their losing weight tip. Uh huh. And one person said, well, I just, you know, put a picture of myself on the refrigerator naked. And Richard Simmons says, I did that. I, I didn't see my refrigerator for six months. That's so, terrible. Yeah. So anyway. 
Well, anyways, you know, I don't have a lot of news, but I found this news story this morning. I thought you might find this intriguing. Foxes at the Temple Mount, prophetic proof, Jerusalem returning to glory. So I guess there was some foxes spotted in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount. and uh, Free range foxes? Like the real deal foxes, you know, foxes yeah. with tails, the whole thing. And, and people are saying that Song of Solomon 2.15 which says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards for our vineyards are in blossom. And so apparently because of that verse and the fact that they saw a fox at the Temple Mount, then some prophecy has been fulfilled. What do you think about that? I think that the people are, well, I'm going to be really kind. Bible codes, baby. Bible codes. Yeah, I think just we'll know when Jesus comes back, there'll be... You know, clouds and Greg Glory and every Greg eye Glory. will see, right? Yeah, every eye will see. There will be no doubt. There's not going to. This is not going to be secret. Not entirely sure that foxes are proof that the end is coming. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking for other things like a temple to be built and things like that. But you know, I did have a practical joke we were going to play on my old pastor one time. Oh, sometimes he would be late for the staff meeting. Uh huh. And so we were trying to get the staff to get all together and bring an extra, extra pair, pair of clothes. clothes with shoes. And then when he walked in there to have them all sitting on the pews. You totally should have done that. Well, it's never too late. So stir it up. But anyway, it's just fun. You I know, you got to have fun. some fun. Yeah, I do. Ministry yeah. should be fun. I agree. You should laugh once in a while. I think life should be fun. It should be enjoyable. I'm enjoying I mean, there's it. difficult times for sure, but... Yeah. There should be some joy. Comforting people, sick people and all that. But, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people to be praying for lately. A lot of people going through difficult things. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that here lately. We had 120-some prayer requests. It's a lot. It was weekend. a big stack of prayer requests. Yeah. It was a, quite the stack. And the week before, quite the stack. So people are praying. That's good. And God is answering prayer, as he does. Always. He's very good at that. He's got a pretty good track record, wouldn't you say? I think so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have any extra news. Any other interesting things going on in the world? No. No blood moons, no solar eclipses, so I guess we're okay with that. Had a great bike ride last night with the guys, and, uh, and then uh, some of the ladies who were walking showed up. We all ate autobata over at TJ's Tacos. It was great. I, I was prepared for a Bible study last night, and only one of my guys showed up. Yeah? Yeah. What happened? We had a good talk, and we prayed. It was great. There you go. Yeah. It was a real one-on-one discipleship. Yeah, totally. I was good with it. Yeah. Well, we went... Um, so, Cana from yeah. alternatives uh-huh. was there and she was hanging out. We've got her uh, twice. She's gone out for Autobata, uh, there met us there with my wife and everybody at TJ's tacos. Yeah. I think she's hooked on the Autobata. Well, I, they she's do looking put, at it. They yeah. do put crack in their taco stuff, something. Yeah. And then, you know, but she, she went for the, yeah, she went for the tacos rather than the last time she got the Autobata fries. Oh, those are pretty amazing. There, there's, there's, you will be comatose for a while after that. You know what? There's, yeah, there's going to be a lot more of you there when you leave if you eat that. Potato coma. Yeah, starch. Yeah, you know, I think the starch mixes with the grease of the autobata, and it creates a chemical reaction that could be deadly. Yeah. We, very, oh, you know what? We dangerous. did have a weird going on last night. So, Bring your own AED with you. Yeah. So I was out with the guys riding bikes, uh-huh. and there was you know, uh, just us four last night. It was kind of a light night. Us four and no more? Exactly. And it and, you know, it broke out into a race at the end. That was kind of fun. But um, a half hour after we left, a guy from underneath the bridge, I guess, came out and tried to rob somebody, take somebody's bike, and told him to put his hands up. And then the guy shot at him four times. What? Missed three times. 
The 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 thief shot. Yeah, him? shot the guy on the bike and hit him in the hand. No way. And then took the bike and and away. Yeah, got robbed underneath the bridge. Isn't that crazy? He's a troll under the bridge. Yeah, man. So man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you got to start packing on the bike ride or what. I don't know, man. This was certainly on the Escondido side and not the Rancho Bernardo side. Well, I mean, I thought es- it's Escondido, north of the lake. Yes, it's a Rancho Bernardo north of the lake. So yeah. we're just the welcome to the glorious Escondido. Exactly. The Hidden Valley. Yes. See if they're in if they're in England talking about the wild animal. Well, excuse me, the safari park. Now. Just north of La Jolla. Yes. Escondido. Beautiful. The hills. Beautiful Escondido. Yeah. The hills. Slightly inland. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've got our own Torrey Pines golf course there. Yes, right here. Yeah. It's right outside my window in the backyard here. Oh, okay. I thought that was... Uh, oh, there's the Amazon delivery man. All right. Man, we got it all going we on here. We should find out what he's got to say about stuff. Nah. Yeah. Gone. It's all good. I got Gone in 60 seconds. That's that's Amazon. Right on. So. Anyways. Oh, we got questions, huh? We, we do. I think we have a few. Yeah. So, um... So I should probably read some of them. Let, let's go for it. All right, number one, and I'm reading these on a phone, so forgive me if I'm a little choppy. I'm, this is the know. mobile Got Questions podcast. We're pad- so mobile. Podcast. We could do this on, in Everest. Yeah, we right totally. We could, we could do this driving but, in a car. Yeah. We could do this in a box with a fox. Yeah. Yeah. I will not eat them, Sam. I am. I will Here not eat there. green eggs and ham. You, didn't you live like next door to Dr. Seuss? Uh, Dr. Geitzel was his real name. Yeah. But no, he did live in La Jolla. And um, I actually have a signed set of his books. Wow, really? Those yes. are probably worth some money. They probably are. I don't think, I think they're just going to One end fish, up, two fish. We've, yeah. Red or fish, Cat in the Hat was a big fish. one and yeah. uh, Hop on Pop. And you know. He had some good books. He did. And it was interesting. And it's a good spiritual lesson. I think it was Cat in the Hat was written on a bet. Hmm. And the bet was is that he could not use no more than I think it was a hundred words was the bet. I'd have to go back and get this for accuracy, but I'm pretty sure it was Cat in the Hat. And um, his buddies put him up to it. He was an illustrator um, and a bit of a writer, and he did this, submitted it, and it ended up being one of the classics. It is a classic. It's and, one of the only books I read as a child. Okay. Yeah. Because you're dyslexic. One so those fish, are two easy. fish. Yeah, red those fish, are easy to fish. read. Cat in the Hat. But the spiritual... Well, I'm, I'm quoting two yeah. different books in here, but yeah. I got it. But the spiritual lesson in it is that sometimes we do our best work and we're the most creative when we're limited. God limits us on what's available to us. And I think for that, definitely turned up being a classic. And then some of his other works were I, I sponsored like, by that. You know, I like Horton Hears a Who. Ooh. You know that one? Yeah. The little Whoville that's on yeah. the little little speck. So you're, you're a Dr. Seuss Winnie the Pooh guy. Well, Winnie the Pooh is totally different, but I like Winnie the Pooh. No, no, I'm just saying that's the same genre, type, time of the era. Think, think, think. Did you see the Winnie the Pooh movie? The uh, Christopher the Robin? Yeah, with uh, Jedi, what's his name, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, the, I thought Obi-Wan was Kenobi was a great Christopher. Yeah, I, I, you know, I love was, that movie. It kind of made some moist eyes, though. It, you know, as a, it was Tito a get a tissue, yeah. It was pulling at the heartstrings. Yeah, I liked it. It, it was, it was a little sad, yeah. Andrea but it and got I happy. Saw, Andrea and I saw it while we were in Hawaii last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was fun. Wow. Okay. Speaking of that, do all of our thoughts come to us from another spirit or outside of us? I know you mentioned this in the sermon. Uh-huh. Or do we come up with them? That's a good question. Yeah, I was talking about um, how worldviews and ideas and different philosophies originate. So ideas and thoughts originate from other spirits. And they, they can. Not all of them do. But I do think that we need to recognize that 
the, um, the ideologies and the sort of worldviews that are pushing our world today or leading people away from Jesus, we need to really look at where those things come from. And I do think that they have a spiritual source that uh, many of them are meant to deceive or to bring people into bondage. I mean, you meet so many people that have all kinds of strange ideas and worldviews. And I don't think that they just came up with those things on them, their own. Originally, I don't think they came up with them on their own. I do think there is a spiritual source. And John clearly speaks about that in First John. So um, I, I find it really interesting in that passage we were in in First John chapter 4, where uh, he says that test all the spirits, um, you know, because many false prophets have gone into the world. So he, he moves from spirits to prophets. So you would have thought that he would have said many false spirits have gone into the world, but he said many false prophets. So the connection is that those prophets who are prophesying or professing ideas and ideologies— they came up with those things from a spiritual source, but not every thought that we have comes from a spiritual source. Okay. I don't know. You have any extra thoughts on that? Well, I do think, you know, I'm sure people have had the thought, like some thought races through their head. And if they stopped and like took that into captivity, as mm. it said, mm-hmm. um, and you go and you, you just kind of look at it and you go, where in the world did that thought? Yeah. Come there are from? some random right? thoughts that are not so random. They come from somewhere. Yeah. And, um, uh, well, you know, some of the, these kind of crimes with these crazy people and you, yeah, we had, we had too many of those in the last couple of weeks. Right. But then, you know, you go back later on and you start to listen to the interviews of these people and well, you know, the voice was telling me this and the uh-huh. voice was telling me that that's some really creepy spiritual stuff. But, and it's and I real. Think one of the unfortunate things is that in our day, we just assume that all that has to do with mental illness. And it's not that I don't, it's not that I question whether or not mental illness is real. It's just that I think that sometimes we're too quick to, throw away the concept that there is evil in the world and there are evil spirits. And because we live in a culture that, that doesn't believe in metaphysical or Mm -hmm. supernatural realities, then we have to come up with some sort of biochemical or neurological reason for why people do horrendous things or hear voices. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those voices are spiritual oppression, spiritual possession. And man, some people do some pretty wicked, vile things because something in them or outside of them told them to do it. So and we just instantly pass over and say, well, it must be, you know, mental illness. So it's like, well, maybe, but, you know, in Jesus's day, he cast demons out of people for a reason. Right. So. And that's, a, you know, and that's legit. And I think you listen to a lot of pastors and a lot of teaching and, and you keep up with things. Would you say the American church as a whole, because I have an opinion on this for sure, when the teaching that comes out of pulpits, do you really think as Christians, we really know that much about some of the things to watch out for and spiritual darkness and how uh, demonic things uh, present themselves. I don't feel like we have a good knowledge base of that. And it's a challenge because some people get really into that teaching and they go too far with it. Yeah. Um, But I do think it's, it's good to have a healthy respect and a healthy knowledge of the capable capabilities of our adversary, the, um, the devil. Yeah. I mean, I, I have been surprised a number of times when I'm talking with someone who I think is a pretty strong believer and they, they're involved in something occultish. Um, you know, they, they've been involved in some sort of tarot or they're involved in, uh, they're really into, um, what's the astrology sort of stuff. Um, um, the signs, I don't know, the zodiac Zodiac and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm not entirely sure that you should be involving yourself with these sort of things. They're, there can be spiritual connections. And this brings up a discussion too. I was talking with a gentleman a number of years ago, who's a believer who he grew up in India and he was struck. Why would Americans want to be involved in, in yoga? Don't they realize what exactly that's connected to? And I think a lot of Americans don't realize. And I mean, if you're doing yoga or Pilates for just the, the stretching and the physical side of it, okay, then I mean, go and stretch, you know, call it whatever you want to call it. But 
there is, uh, in Hinduism, yoga means to yoke yourself to something. And so, uh, I don't know. And people should be a little bit discerning about some of these things that get involved in there. There are some connections. Now that said, I had some people question me in the past when I did martial arts, because there's connections with certain forms of martial arts to Zen Buddhism and stuff like that. And, uh, and my view was, you know, I'm just not involving myself in the Zen Buddhism, the meditation. That's not part of my practice, but you're just kicking people in the face. Yeah. Sparring. Yeah, exactly. Fighting with people. Yeah. yeah. It's different. Totally different. Yeah. So I'm with you. No, there's just, there's a lot of creepy stuff out there and you know, sometimes you run across it and you're like, Ooh, yeah, that's right. There, there's a real live devil out there. So yes. Yeah. I don't, you got to watch those thoughts. Um, so do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Yeah. You know, I think we need to be discerning and we, and the test that we're given by John and first John four is that, you know, does this spirit align with the, the truth, the reality that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Um, so, yeah. And I think you gotta be really careful about what you're reading and what you're watching. You can be influenced by those things and they're not necessarily out and out demonic, but they definitely influence how you form your opinions and, and attitudes and things like that. That's and, a great point. Know, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Paul in Colossians chapter two, he makes the comment about not allowing yourself to be spoiled by the philosophies, the vain philosophies of this world. And so, um, you know, acknowledging that there, there are ideas and worldviews and philosophies that are being bombarded at us whenever we watch the news, whenever we watch television sitcoms or, you know, even discovery channel. I mean, you go down the list, there's, there's a certain worldview that's being promulgated each time you look at these things. So Paul says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit according to the tradition of men or according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So uh, we need to balance the things that we're taking into our minds and hearts with making sure that we're taking in the scriptures as well and testing those things that we hear, the principles, the ideologies and so forth by what the scripture has to say. Okay, so the, you know, or do we come up with them that I think, did we answer that? I think we, I think we did. Yeah, we're good with that. Okay, cool. Uh, two, if the Gnostics believe Jesus never came in the flesh, what did they do with the crucifixion account? Ooh. So that's a good question. That goes back to the message as well, because we've, as we've been going through First John, uh, John was confronting a false teaching that was only really kind of beginning to grow at the time that he wrote this. It really became an issue in the second century AD. So, you know, within about 10 or 20 years after John died. Um, but there were two basic views among the Gnostics about the nature of Jesus. One was that Jesus was not uh, physically a human, that he was just an apparition. He just appeared to be a man. Uh, this is called docetism. And um, so that was one of the Gnostic views. So how do they deal with the crucifixion? They say, well, it, he just wasn't a man. He was, he just appeared to be a man. Uh, and then the second, so, so Thomas was barking up the wrong tree with the, let me see your nail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but you know, you read the gospels and that's a perfect example. The whole thing of Thomas here, touch the, touch my side or put your, your hand in the imprints on my hand in my hands. Then all also after his resurrection, a couple of times, Jesus says, you know, give me something to eat. So he's proving he's not a spirit. Uh, well, they're having a barbecue on the beach with Peter right, and the guys right. and, you know, afterwards feed my sheep, that whole exchange there. Yeah. Right? So one view was that Jesus was just an apparition. He just appeared to be a man. And then the other view among the Gnostics was that Jesus was just a man and that at his baptism, the spirit, the Christ spirit came upon him and that he had the Christ spirit upon him while he walked the earth and ministered. But the Christ spirit departed from him when he was in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. So that's how they deal with it. Um, the, the church really came against this false teaching in the second and third century. And that's where the, uh, the creeds, like when we think of the apostles creed and the Nicene creed, the, the councils of the church in the third century really grew out of them dealing with these false teachings and saying, Hey, no, this is not what we believe. And this is not what the apostles taught. And this is not what 
the church stands for. So they kind of had to get the brain trust together there to set everything straight. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Cool. Deal with it. Yeah. Get it, get it, get her done. Get so her done. Speak. Yeah. Speaking of get her done, I was uh, on Instagram today and I saw that Larry, the cable guy, uh, he was, he was giving a shout out. Toe Mater was giving a shout out to Greg Laurie and telling him congratulations. Cause this is the 30th anniversary of the Harvest Crusade this, oh, really? this weekend coming up. And so, uh, Larry, the cable guy, I don't remember his real name, but he was giving a shout out to Greg and saying, you know, hope you have a great thing. And Toe Mater, Toe Mater likes you too. And so I was thinking, that's so cool that Larry, the cable guy is uh, right on Christian. I didn't I did know, not he, know that. I didn't know he was I saying no idea. I mean, he was a snappy dresser. Let's not get that. Let's you know, be honest. I mean, a flannel yeah. and a cap. Or the cut-off sleeves. You know, I mean, that's... You just, know. I don't even think those are cut-off. They just rip those suckers off. Well, so is that masculine body of You got to look yeah. like you're from Mississippi. Yeah. I think that's probably where he's from. I drove through Mississippi one time. It was an interesting drive. Yeah. I noticed that virtually everybody in Mississippi, every house that I passed, they had their own junkyard. Well, you don't have to go far to get your auto parts. That's right. Every, every house had like eight or nine rusting cars out in the side yard. Really? It was kind of awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. A porch with a bunch of dogs on it and stuff. Let me tell you, they got some mosquitoes. Skeeters? That's a national bird over there? Down there in Mississippi. They're big, boy. I've never been to Mississippi. I'll tell you what. I went to I just drove through it. I drove from one part of Louisiana to the other part along the edge of Mississippi. Well, you want to see skeeters? You don't go down to Louisiana. Them baton roads, they fly over. Lake Pontchartrain. Nope, they pick a kid up, took him off, dropped him over the Texas line right Man, there. you sound like you could do voiceovers for Tommy. Went over there. He, well, they know they found him at the Dear Wiener Schnitzel. He <laughs> was over you know, there. Okay, you know what totally, blew my mind. what totally blew my mind about Louisiana? They literally had like cocktail drink drive throughs <laughs> Really? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how that works. Like, drinking and driving, not a good idea. But they had drive throughs where you could go get your daiquiris and stuff. Y'all need a little something to steady your nearers on the road. You know, don't want to get your people like crazy in California to bump and bump and stuff here. You just, you know, having yourself a beer crew down that road. Number three. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. You know, my one ex- my one thing that really struck me about, I was in Louisiana. It was there. Yeah. And the one thing that's really struck me is I got from the plane, air-conditioned plane, uh-huh. to the air-conditioned terminal, uh-huh. to the air-conditioned car. Yes. And the guy wanted to show me this lake because he knew I was a fisherman. And I got out of the car, and the air weighed like 75 pounds. Yes. And I started flailing my arms around, and the guy's looking at me, and he said, what you all doing? And I said, this is like Bruce Lee air. And he says, what's that? I go, those old karate movies where the hands are, you know, he's punching some guy, and you can hear the wind whistling. That's how they do it. The air is so thick here. And then I'm looking out on the lake, and I'm like, what is that? There was something that was coming towards us, looked like the Loch Ness Monster. Yes. And they're like, where are they among the dead of them? water moccasin. That, no, that's a water moccasin. Moccasin. It's coming out of there. They get right in the what. boat. That's why there's holes in the boat. They got to they shoot them. That's a water moccasin. And I, I said, you got to be kidding me, because, you know, rattlesnakes in California out of here. are chill. Like, you know, rattlesnakes don't come after you. Yeah. They don't want to be bothered. Yeah. Um, you know, you get bit by a rattlesnake, you, you made a mistake, or you're chasing after it, you're trying to pick it up or something. Yes. He go, no, they, they get right in the boat. And that water moccasin, or moccasin, swam all the way across this lake 
and was coming up the grass to the car. Like, get me in the <laughs> car right now. Like, oh, man, we, I got from California. He like a, like a burrito. I can't wait. I'm going to have Mexican food today. out of here. Yeah. So I'm like, Okay, no, so I'm that's kind of like I was talking with a bug guy, the guy that kills all the bug sprays around here. Yeah. And he was telling me that, you know, when you go in a crawl space or up in an attic Ooh. or under, underneath the house crawl space. I've been in those. Those are gnarly. And he said, when, when we're dealing with a black widow nest, which just creeps me out because I'm, I'm not a spider guy. He said that black widows are aggressive to defend their nest. They'll come after you. Now, how freaky would that be? Black widow coming after you, man. I'd be shooting that thing with so much spray. Oh, man. See, yeah. I'm not afraid of spiders, but my I'm daughter and my wife are spider phobic. Man. Oh, man. Okay, so. Number three. The question, the question came up in our connect group in reference to 1 Corinthians 11. Mm. Do women have to have their heads covered? in church or was this specific to the people of that time no they don't need to have their head covered yes it was specific to the people of that time so that's the simple answer right and i think the overview was as men were supposed to have their heads covered when they prophesied correct yeah it's a little bit different than this passage. not the same passage but there was a you know yeah. kind of culturally to have their heads covered i think there's are pulling that from the yarmulke, yarmulke. Is that we're going at and then uh and I think that's probably if I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out a wild guess. You know, you're not supposed to wear a hat in church. People will say, "Guys, that's very cultural." Very cultural. Just that's like this is very cultural. Bible. Yeah. So. Okay, but but there is a principle here that I think is worth considering. The important principle to glean from this passage, which has to do with um, modesty, cultural modesty, um, because if you read a number of commentators on that passage in First Corinthians chapter eleven, a lot of times they'll talk about how the culture of the day in Corinth there was. Um, you know, kind of a, a cultural reality among the women that the women who did not wear head coverings were of a certain kind of trade, uh, the sex Ooh. trade. And uh, and so, you know, to disassociate or separate from that. You wanted to look different from them. Having an uncovered head meant something a little bit different in that cultural. So there's a cultural situation. So I think the, the principle we should glean <laughs> from this is that there's certain culturally appropriate and culturally inappropriate ways to conduct yourself or to dress for men and for women in any culture. Okay. And we should be aware of those. Yeah. yeah. I, pre I appreciate modesty. Modesty. Yes. You know, we used to say, I'm so as, glad that you wear modest clothing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if I rolled in here in a speedo and you know, a tank top, nobody wants to my, see that. My HOA would kick you out for I'm sure. Saying, you, what do you think? It would be a blight Absolutely. or what would Absolutely. it be? No, they would just say, Nope, not allowed. No. Yeah. Anyway, you know, so my, my, I know my male modeling career was cut short, but anyway, depends on who you're modeling for. Yeah, well, you know, I used to tell my high school Boat and junior masters high, of America, yeah. they'll take you, no problem. Oh, yeah, they'd probably be on the cover. That's but, right. You know, Weren't I'm, you a hand model for that casting? I you, was. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. So, but like I would tell our junior high and high school, you know, when they asked the subject come up, the ladies, modest is hottest. Leave it alone. Just well, there you cover go. up right there. You there. Go. You're good. Be modest. So, yeah. So cover your head. All right. Yeah. But cultural, so cultural. You're, you're good, ladies. You do not have to wear Be the culturally big hat. We sensitive do have a hat. culturally wearing. We, well, I mean, you we know, have this. a hat wearing lady at church. I think it's awesome. True, but you know about this because you've been in the Middle East. When you go into a lot of the holy sites in the Middle East, they require that you wear pants. You can't wear shorts. Correct. You need to have your knees covered. And women uh, generally will wear a skirt or a dress that also covers their knees. So that's just being culturally sensitive right. and culturally aware for the appropriate. And the shoulders modest, too, because they shoulders, look at yeah. yeah, they kind of look at Christian women. My shoulders, you know, they're blindingly white you know we don't want anybody to 
be injured. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody wants to check out these guns here. Oh, you know? man. Yeah, there Welcome. we go. Welcome to the gun show. But, you no, know, I have actually had, you know, you're having a conversation with a local, and they're like, yeah, well, the Christian women don't dress very modestly, like tank tops and things like that, things we don't think about here in Southern California, but over there it's a big deal. Right. And so, um, yeah, they want you to cover up when you go to the holy sites. You know how I fix that? Because I like to wear shorts when I'm uh-huh. there. You got the zip-off shorts? I got the zip-off yeah, those are pants awesome. things. I always I mean, would wear those when we go places, yeah. too. I mean, they look lame anywhere else. Totally. But in the Middle East. Yeah, the only place where they work is when you're on a mission trip. Yeah, somewhere. and it's way easier than duct tape in your legs. Ooh, that would hurt. Yeah, but it sure takes the hair oh, off. Goodness yeah, gracious! There you go. So, uh, no, you don't have to wear a hat. But my my hats off to Carrie Bell, the hat lady. On uh, is she second service? Yes, her and Charles third third service third service. Her and Charles cruise in, and she's always got a great hat. It, on. You know, it's not just her hat. Her hat always matches her outfit. When, I don't even know. Like, where do you buy an outfit that matches the hat? That's pretty amazing. Got to probably have those special made or something. That's the church lady store. She's oh, the okay. church lady. That's she's awesome. awesome. Totally I, I love awesome. it. It's I, I think it's, she, I love the, the, just the variety of people we have in our yeah, fellowship. Yeah, we really she's do. She's part of the eclectic bunch we have there. It's great. Number four. All right. How do we judge messages from thinkers that don't necessarily, don't, I love that, don't necessarily pass John's three-step spiritual verify, that kind of verification. verification. Uh, read the writings. You mean like size one font on your phone, huh? No, 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 no. It, it's oh, okay. gone. It's missing on uh-huh. my phone. So um, I guess it was abbreviated. Uh, re- I read the writings of many thinkers who work on purpose and morality and have lent clarity to how I do not think that the oh, writers I, okay, let me. I yeah. guess something got miscopied here. They, okay. they lent clarity to how I perceive reality, but I do not think the writers themselves align squarely with the Christian view that often... And often their philosophy requires some reconciling of the Christian message. Some examples of mine may be Jordan Peterson, Jonathan Haidt, and Nietzsche. And this actually goes with the fifth question, too, because the fifth question is, if it is true that we shouldn't trust false prophets, then why would you, Miles, recommend that we read Nietzsche? Ooh. Good question. Good question. Um, I, I made the point, and I was very specific in this when I was writing my message for last week and when I preached it, that I didn't say that we should reject wholesale all of these people, but that we should have a strong skepticism. Right. I remember that little disclaimer. Right. I think that we should be skeptical of their conclusions. Like for example, I'll take Jordan Peterson as an example. Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist and psychologists, uh, you know, especially for the last hundred, 125 years, uh, they've come up with some pretty interesting research and, and, um, ideas about, you know, human psychology and the way that the mind works. But a lot of times their conclusions are off and many times their cures for problems are off. So I think we need to bring the ideas that these people are espousing up next with the scriptures and make sure, does it align with the truth of the scriptures? Because for Protestant Christians, especially, we we seek to uh, define our belief and practice by what the Bible has to say. So we want to judge truth based on the truth of the scriptures. So I find that a lot of these guys, they have a lot of true things that they, that they say, the ideas that they believe. Some of these guys are even on a journey that seems like it's leading towards the Lord, which would be awesome if they come to the knowledge of the truth of Jesus. But, um, but even Nietzsche, like he had some great observations of reality. Um, but I think that sometimes we need to think about the starting points of these people, that if their starting point is they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe in the resurrection, then their starting point, they may have some true ideas or views about certain things about the world or about psychology, whatever it may be, but their starting point and what they're looking at is going to lead them to a wrong conclusion in the end, a, long, a wrong uh, cure in the end. 
And uh, so when you read Nietzsche, like he comes to a very hopeless nihilistic end with his ideas. But a lot of the ideas he came up with, you go, man, there's some truth hidden, embedded, if you will, in those things. So, yeah. And I think a lot of times you'll read something and you'll turn around and go, yeah, that's in the Bible. Right. This guy's just discovering what's actually in scripture. He just hasn't looked in scripture yet. Right. Well, it's like one time I was talking with someone and they were, they were talking about, um, the, the view of karma and, you know, the whole, the whole issue of, you know, you're going to get what you get back or you're going to get back what you put in basically. And I said, well, you know, there is a biblical view of this that aligns with others. (laughs) Well, not just doing others, but the sowing and reaping, you know, you're going to reap what you sow. And if you sow to the flesh, you're going to of the flesh reap corruption. And if you sow to the spirit, you're going to of the, of the spirit reap eternal life. So, so there is a concept that is similar to that, but where does the, the view of karma basically lead? Well, it aligns with kind of a reincarnation sort of view. So uh, we don't believe in reincarnation. We don't necessarily believe that the things that we do in this life are going to, you know, determine what we're going to come back as. However, the things that we do or don't do in this life could have a, an impact on the next life where we're going to be with the Lord. And so we do, we do need to recognize the, the principle of reaping and sowing. So there are a lot of true-ish ideas that you can find in all kinds of different worldviews, but we need to align those with the scripture and we need to find out what does the Bible teach and, uh, and what do we need to understand biblically from those ideas? So, you know, a lot of these things can direct people to the Lord. One of the things I find fascinating in talking about Jordan Peterson, who obviously I've been very interested in what's been happening with this guy the last couple of years. But it's there's kind a, of a phenomenon, especially among I think young so. men. Yeah. yeah. Well, but what's really interesting about this is that there's a number of younger men. So let's say people that are 18 to 40 who um, have become followers, if you will, of Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. and these people who once were atheists are now going to churches and uh, saying, you know, I'm looking Checking for truth. So, so that's kind of an interesting thing. The, uh, I do think it has been a blessing. Uh, and, but if you've noticed, you know, we have some unbelievers in our church. Yes. We have people that are there because friends brought them and um, they're welcome. I'm really excited about them being there and they're there and they're listening to the gospel and it's being presented and they're, they're weighing it and right. um, they're in a place where they're actually, they're seeking God and I think they're going to find him there. But we have a handful of unbelievers that come to the church every week. They're there very consistently right. um, because they know it's truth and they're just, they're on that path. And so, uh, and I think it's great that they've had friends that brought them and said, well, here's some truth that's going to get spoke every week. And they come back again and again and again, and they have not yet made a commitment to Christ. And so they're weighing that and counting the cost on that. And man, I'm really excited about that. I think there's more people that are not believers at the church than we would even realize. But there's certainly some people that, that I've talked with. I know you've talked with. Yeah. Or you have a conversation yeah. with them, and they'll they'll just tell you straight out. You know, I'm I'm kind of skeptical of this, but I'm really interested in it. I think it's really awesome. And what's amazing to me is how many people are inviting their friends to come to church that don't know the Lord. And uh, what you know, it's just like the the statistics that have been shared a number of times by people like uh, the Barna Research Group and so forth, where they say. You know, it's like above 80%. I don't remember the exact numbers, but above 80% of the time, if you invite a friend to church, they're going to say yes. So, um, you know, we see people doing that every single week, and a number of those people are not yet believers, and uh, God's doing work in their life. So that's really cool. But I, I think on this point, like when you read the things that someone like Jonathan Haidt, who's also a professor from, I think, NYU, uh, when you read the things that Jonathan Haidt is writing or Steven Pinker or Jordan Peterson, or you go down the list of all these different guys who are not Christians and have a different worldview, you can really assess what they say about the really deep and important issues of life. So I, I talk about this frequently, the issues of identity, purpose, origin, destiny, and morality. 
those things, especially you go, what a guy like Steven Pinker, who is, um, he's a, a professor of psychology from Harvard and so a um, dumb guy. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And, uh, he wrote a book recently on, um, on the enlightenment called enlightenment now. And he thinks that we can just by reason and enlightened reason, basically create a utopian society. But when you really look at the things that he's saying, you realize that, well, you're rejecting almost 2000 years of Christian history behind that, that makes what we have here in society. And you realize that a lot of the things that he's coming with, he's just stealing from Christianity, even though he right. doesn't realize that he believes in Jesus or he doesn't believe in God necessarily, but he's just kind of ripping off the uh, Christian yeah. worldview. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he comes to faith. I, I, I don't know. He's been pretty hard hearted at this point, but um, when you ask the questions of purpose and morality, um, they don't have a good basis for purpose or morality. You just have to make it up yourself. Right. And, um, so it's kind of like, or like people X-Files, will say, the truth is out there. Yeah, I guess so. But like one of the guys that's interesting to me, an atheist by the name of Sam Harris, when he talks about morality, he says, well, it's just self-evident. It's like, well, not so much. Yeah. I don't know about that because there are certain people in certain places who it's self-evident to them that it's okay for them to do pretty vile and disgusting things. And so it's like, well, obviously morality as a whole is not self-evident. So I think it comes, it originates from somewhere beyond us. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day, I was in traffic and somebody was doing something that was pretty selfish. They weren't in kindergarten, uh, the same kindergarten I was where you learned to, you know, wait in line. Ah. And I thought, you know, if there was an option on cars where they're on your steering wheel is a fake machine gun button or, you know, photon torpedo button, an option, how many people would buy that? They could just feel like they were doing something, you know? Just pretend like pretend, they're Pretend, not real machine guns. So, so yeah. I know someone who shall rename, remain nameless uh, because I would get in trouble probably for bringing them up. But this person, when someone does something on the road that they don't like, they just imagine throwing eggs at them. That's, that's their, in their mind, I'm throwing eggs at that person. So, wow. Well, it's better than the alternatives. Bless and curse not. Right. Yeah. So be angry and sin not. Yeah. All right. Well, five. I, 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 I kind of answered that. Yeah. I threw that in there. Okay. So you threw that in there. I did. Uh, I do. I have a question. Oh, please. That, this came up means. in my morning coffee session. Ah, with, uh, with your lovely wife? Women's ministry at our house. Ah, know? there you yeah, go. No. And um, what, no, what came up and um, you remember the movie Chariots of Fire? I do. And I've never seen it. I know the, I know the. You know the line. Basics of it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Eric Lytle and, and this. And the big thing was... Uh, he wasn't going to run on the on, on Sunday. Sabbath. And, but part of it was even him going to the Olympics. There were, he was a missionary, a very solid Christian, and very devout. And people were doubting that he should go do this. And one of the lines out of the movie was that, you know, God made me fast. But then he uses this line and he says, when I run, I sense God's pleasure. And part of thinking uh-huh. and, and those things, um, you know, wondering where thoughts come from. And, I, you know, if Eric was there, I'd go, wow, where did that thought come from or this or that? Have you ever been in a place where you're doing something and you've sensed God's pleasure or presence? Yeah. Every time I preach. Okay. Yeah. One of the first times I can point back to the very first time I taught. Yeah. And it was interesting. I taught for the very first time and I'd never had a thought about being in vocational ministry. I thought, you know, I'm going to stay away from that as much as I can. All the while your wife was praying that you would obey the Lord. I think she just wanted me to just follow Christ at the time. But anyway, I remember the first time I taught from a pulpit, Uh um, when I got down, 
to the pulpit and and it was it, it was interesting some people got saved and this and that and and they were just evidently God was using me but the first time I got down from that pulpit this overwhelming sense of sensing God and his pleasure yeah and the first thing that came to me is like I think this is going to be part of my life for the rest of my life yeah absolutely. it was weird yep really weird you know you know when I don't feel that at all when, when I'm working play, out, when I play golf, you don't feel God's pleasure at no, all. I feel a totally another spirit when I play golf. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I had a, um, and part of the reason this came up is I had somebody who's really struggling with just, uh, being down and things like that. And they asked me like, how does that happen? You yeah. Know, since God's pleasure in something. And I said, you know, for me, go to get in a place alone in nature, get underneath a tree or something like that, and just go spend an hour or so by yourself just recounting all the blessings that God's given you. You know, it's so funny you. you bring that up. I just had this exact conversation really? with someone yesterday. Yeah, because I, you know, I think a lot of people are struggling right now with discouragement, and um, especially if you if you watch the news and oh, see Lord. the things that are going on in the yeah. world, it's really discouraging. And, uh, you know, someone brought up the concept of depression, and, you know, so I was in conversation with him. I said, well, you know, Clinical depression is something that's entirely different, but there are certain things that, you know, God made us not only rational, but he also made us emotional. Mm -hmm. And so when we see things that are horrible and terrible or bad, or we're experiencing things that are bad, it's no wonder that we would emotionally feel down or upset or burdened by those sort of things. So the big question is, how do you respond to that? What do you do when you have those feelings? And, uh, and I was saying the exact same thing, that I think it's really important to take a step back and just start going down the list of what what are the things what are the things that I'm thankful for right now? Yeah, and, I, I, it's very, that's always been helpful. Now it doesn't make the pain go away, it doesn't make the problem go away, but it certainly helps me to have a different perspective. Yeah, I think it changes you from uh, woe is me to being more of a conqueror and, and putting yourself in a position of helping other people. My suggestion was just go sit underneath that tree and go recount all the blessings that God has given you. Yeah, and I said you'll be surprised as you sit there for a while how God will bring things into your remembrance that you didn't even realize or things you, you had forgotten about places where he had stepped in and, and, and really took care of you and yeah. led you and guide you through, through some very difficult things. And I said, it's very refreshing. And I says, and you know, it's really hard for the Lord to hear that kind of thankfulness and, uh, humbleness and, um, to draw your heart. Cause God's not far, any farther away or closer away. It's your heart but to draw your heart so close to the Lord. And there's a lot of ways, you know, sometimes people will fast to do that, this and that, but just that time of Thanksgiving and spending time with the Lord is a really good way to pull yourself out of that dive, so to speak. Yeah. And, and I think uh, it's really, it's yeah. really wise to go and read through the Psalms because there's a lot oh, of Psalms wow. where yeah. the Psalmist comes at the beginning of the Psalm. The Psalms kind of have this arc where at the beginning of the Psalm, it's kind of complaint, 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 and life is terrible. And my enemies have come against me. And then it kind of gets to this point of a, a crescendo, if you will, of, remembering the goodness of the Lord and what God has done in the past. And then it kind of ends with a prayer of thanksgiving. So I think that it, it is important for us to have a proper perspective. And when we, you know, when we, when we get around them to a whole bunch of other people, it's amazing how other people can influence us because when you get around a bunch of other people that are also downcast and upset, then it's like a echo chamber that just increases the disgruntled malcontent nature. <laughs> but when you get around other people who are worshiping the Lord or point you back to the Lord, that, Man, it's uh, it's a great reminder to gain that perspective of, hey, the Lord's still on the throne, and He has a future and a hope planned, and this this too shall pass. The thing that I'm going through right now, so um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I strongly suggest find a place where you sense or feel God's pleasure in something, and 
and go for it. Serve other people too. That's a big one. Yeah, it typically is. It's something that brings God pleasure. Right. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Well, do we have a secret passcode for our, our faithful listeners? The ones who, the ones who endure to the end. Well, you know, usually no cacahuate. We used cacahuate last week. Yeah, that was last week. That was good. You know what I got sent, you know, this week? Huh? I got from, you know, Kane over at Alternatives. Yeah. She was telling me that, you know, that fine food establishment, gourmet food establishment, Der Wiener Schnitzel? You know, you always bring this up. I think I've eaten there once. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a little sketchy. A little? Yeah. Yeah. You got, you don't want to get out of your if car. If I'm going to get a hot dog, I'm going to Costco. I just, I'm one of the, one of the things I miss is uh-huh. Rich and I were going to go out to Der Wiener Schnitzel. Oh, that's right. And then he passed before the Der Wiener Schnitzel date, but yes. I was bummed about that. But anyway, Kena sends me a picture of an ice cream soft serve thing. You ever have 50-50 creamsicles? Yeah, of course. Yeah. They make a soft serve 50-50 creamsicle. Uh-huh. And she was driving away from Der Wiener Schnitzel. She sent me that Wiener picture. Wiener Schnitzel has one of those? Oh, Schnitzel. yeah. Schnitzel. Yeah. I, I, Schnitzel. You know, I'm not Schnitzel. German, so I, well, actually, I am part German. I am part German, You've too, You've been to German, yeah. Well, I'm part German. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, I don't yeah. think that that should be the secret. You don't think Der Wiener no, no. Schnitzel I'm looking, would... I'm looking at your shirt with Bob Ross, and I think that uh, you got that beautiful Bob Ross shirt there. He's I think got a nice fro, Happy huh? little tree. Happy little tree? Happy little happy tree. Happy little trees? Yeah. Okay, that'll be the code word. Happy little tree. Happy little trees. Okay, well, I guess uh, next week we'll probably be back in the, the real recording place with not so much echo. Yeah, your office. That's right, my yeah. office. So There's a little bit less hot, because it doesn't have 19-foot ceilings, so, you know, it's a little bit different. Anyways... Well, now I want to hang a pinata from your 19 you know, listen, foot ceiling. When I had to hang that chandelier over there above the door, that, that I was, was going to call OSHA. That was that sketchy. Was sketchy. Yeah. I don't even want to describe how we put that there, but it's a surprise that we survived. You know what? That should be next week's code word. What? That was sketchy. Yeah, that was totally <laughs> sketchy. Yeah. Anyway, happy little tree. We'll see you on Sunday. Adios. Peace out.